You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting in here just like you are listening to Kevin Winter give us the Sports Center update, and it was an American treasure. If you had topless Adam Schefter on your Monday Night Football bingo card, check it off because that's where we are. Oh, it's Monday, and that can only mean Monday Night Football. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Uh, this Monday Night Football preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's break down everything we need in the Monday night football matchup. We'll start with our buddy Jamison Hensley, the ESPN Ravens Ravens reporter. Uh, Let's start with the most important part, uh, because last time we buried the Mark Andrews stuff. We know that Mark Andrews is out. It it, could have decimated our fantasy teams last time we talked to you, but we were lucky that (laughs) night. We know he's out tonight. What sort of adjustments are going to be made, just not, not just for him, but also for Bateman? Yeah, because, you know, with Bateman out for the season and Mark Andrews, uh, out for this game, you're taking away Lamar Jackson's top target and top number one wide receiver. Isaiah Likely, uh, who played very well in his last game at Tampa, showed he can make plays out there. He'll help out as far as the tight end position. Uh, but, I mean, when you lose this amount of targets for for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, uh, I think they just almost have to go and ter- turn into a different philosophy of saying, okay, uh, they're not going to have as many weapons out there in the passing game for Lamar. They have to play to their strength, and I expect them to go to a run-heavy, you know, up game plan tonight against the Saints. And you saw it last time in the second half on that Thursday night game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers knew the Ravens were going to run the ball, but the Ravens were able to do it, still continue to move the ball because they their offensive line dominated, and that's a big key for tonight's game. The Ravens' offensive line needs to dominate in order for the Ravens to win. Jameis Hensley with us here on Spain and Fitz. Deshaun Jackson elevated and Lamar Jackson said of him, he's still the same Deshaun to me from what I grew up seeing. We're just going to have to see what he gets on that field. What do you think you're going to see on the field from him? I think he's going to be running a lot of go routes tonight because (laughs) the Saints are going to stack the box. They're going to put eight guys as close to the line of scrimmage as possible to force Lamar Jackson to throw the football. And I'll give Deshaun Jackson credit. I mean, he's 35 years old, 15th year in the NFL. But watching him in practice, he still has speed. I expect him a couple of times in this game to get behind the Saints' defense. It's going to be up to Lamar Jackson to get him the ball. That's been one of the big struggles this year for Lamar Jackson is the inconsistency throwing the ball deep downfield. He's completing, I think, one passes that have gone at least he was about 15 yards in the air. He's completing less than 30% of his passes. So it's good to have Sean Jackson and his, have speed and add that to the offense. But Lamar Jackson is going to have to show the ability to get him the ball when he's open. Yeah, and to that end, I mean, I, I will say last year with the Raiders, when Jackson came in immediately, they just started throwing the bomb to him, and it worked. Uh, let's go to the other side of the ball quickly. The Ravens added Roquan. Uh, what do you anticipate from him very early in his time with Baltimore? I mean, this is a key game for him because you, when you go against the Saints, you're going against Alva Kamara. And Kamara can do things. And, t- and talking to uh, John Harbaugh this week, he's like t- talking about that Kamara just does things that no other running back in this league can do. I mean, he can run in between the tackles and you know, outside the tackles. He can line up as a wide receiver and run every single route out there. So Roquan Smith is an everyday, every-down linebacker. Uh, he could run sideline to sideline. I think his first assignment with the Ravens is to try to neutralize Alvin Kamara. And we'll see that tonight. Uh, and the one thing that everyone knows about Roquan 
is he's a very intelligent player. It's not going to take him long to figure out this Ravens defense. I believe he's going to be an impact player tonight for Baltimore. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, previewing Monday night football tonight, Ravens, Saints. Let's talk turnovers. You had a great stat about uh, the Ravens' ability to force takeaways. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens now have uh, forced a takeaway in 10 straight games. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. But on the other hand, you have the New Orleans Saints. They have turned the ball over 16 times. That's tied for most in the NFL through the first eight weeks of the season. So, you know, it sometimes comes down to a critical turnover. And if history says anything, uh, the Saints might be able to cough that ball up and, and the Ravens continue that streak as well. But, uh, yeah, if this is a close game, I expect turnovers to play a major role in this one. Got a pick for us, Jameson? Uh, I, I do. I think the Saints uh, pull this one out at the end. I just think for the Ravens, there's just too many injuries for them to overcome. Mm. Uh, and I think the Saints win this one in a, in a relatively low-scoring game. I have the Saints winning 20-17. to 17. Uh, absolutely great stuff. Be sure to get out on ESPN.com. Check out Jamison's article there on Ray Lewis and uh, the, the Super Bowl blackout that we all remember so well. Great, uh, great work by you, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your show. Appreciate it. Now let's get the other side of the matchup from ESPN Saints reporter Catherine Terrell. Catherine, always appreciate your time. Uh, the Saints are coming off of a dominant victory over my beloved Raiders. It still haunts me when I sleep. What did you see in that game that, that you think could be built on for the rest of the season? Well, you know, it remains to be seen if the Saints have turned a corner or not, but it sure felt like it. You know, this, this Saints team used to be defined the last few years by its defense, which is kind of funny to say, but, you know, it's true. And that defense really hasn't shown up, uh, at least not completely this year. So, I mean, this is the first time they played a full game. Special teams was great. The defense played really well. Uh, and obviously they got their offense going. Uh, Alvin Kamara scored three touchdowns. And once he kind of gets going like that, it's hard to stop him. And they're really going to need him tonight because now Mark Ingram is out. So they don't really have any other running backs to rely on. And they still have – I don't want to say almost no receivers, but, I mean, it's kind of true. Jarvis Landry is up in the air. So, you know, it's really just one of those games where was it just a one-off or did they kind of just turn things around and, and they go uphill from here? I don't know. Catherine, uh, not a great record for Andy Dalton against the Ravens. One and three since 2018. That's uh, second most losses to Baltimore, only behind Baker Mayfield. What are the expectations for, for Dalton tonight? Well, I have an even worse stat for you, and that's his <laughs> six and nineteen prime time record. Uh, if he loses tonight, I know if he loses tonight, he will have the worst prime time record of any quarterback since two thousand, overtaking Terry Collins. I only know that because I literally just wrote about it uh, for a no story wonder Kirk today. Kirk Cousins was flashing all ice. He was thinking that he might get that rep off his back. He might get some. Oh, he's up there him. too. <laughs> oh, we know. I think he's like, I think he's like number three. Um, so, you know, I covered Andy with the Bengals. I think he's so tired of me asking him about this. Uh, but his last big primetime win, I believe, was against the Ravens, and they he dominated in that game. He was with the Bengals through three touchdowns, AJ Green, uh, and he was great. So you know, he's good. He's not good in prime time, but the Saints used to be good in prime time. So maybe it cancels each other out. I don't know. Uh, you you mentioned you've asked him about it a bunch of times. Why is he not? Why are quarterbacks some quarterbacks bad at prime time? Well, you know it's interesting. I've asked him about it a lot of times over many years with many different teams, and he'll always say the same thing that 
He's played a bunch of good teams in prime time. Well, that's true, <laughs> except, you know, maybe Thursdays is a toss-up. But, you know, I don't know. I think some – honestly, I think some players rise to the occasion and some players don't. I also covered Drew Brees for a long time, and he was one of those quarterbacks that was just incredible in prime time. I mean, the Saints as a whole really were under Sean Payton for so many years until last year when they they lost three primetime games. And I don't know, maybe some players just under the spotlight do better. I, I asked Ms. Allen about this, too, because I tried to make sense of it. And he just, I don't know, he kind of said something about the Superdome being a great place to play at night, things like that. Yeah. So he didn't really have an answer, too. They'll always tell you that the time of day doesn't matter, but I'm not so sure about that. Catherine Terrell is with us here on Spain and Fitz. Uh, speaking of, Lamar Jackson has the best QBR of any quarterback in Monday Night Football with at least five starts. So you could throw that into Andy Dalton's explanation post-game if things don't go well for him and the Saints. Uh, we're talking Monday Night Football. Saints are 3-5. and five. You know, they're only a win behind the Bucks and Falcons in the NFC South, but this feels like such a strange year. They don't feel like a real contender, a viable team. What is the team, and maybe what are you and folks watching every week looking for in terms of progress or belief in the future? Well, they are definitely a really strange team because they could very easily have a winning record. A really big problem for them at the beginning of the year was just being their own worst enemy, turnovers, penalties. You know, I feel like they had the Bucks on the ropes in that game, and then obviously they had that big scuffle between uh, Lattimore and Evans, and the ball, people start turning the ball over, and it just went south. I think that they could have beaten the Vikings. I mean, they were really in every game, uh, except maybe that Panthers game when Jameis Winston got hurt. And so maybe that's why the Raiders game was such a big deal for them, because it felt like the first time they didn't have to go to the podium afterwards and say, well, we turned the ball over two or three times, and that's why we lost. So I don't, I don't know what this team is going to be at the end of the year, but I do know that if they don't make mistakes like that, they are a very capable team, especially if their defense plays well. But I think most teams could say that, right? I mean, every team that's worst in turnover differential in, in the league in any year is, is probably not going to have a winning record, and they're probably going to say it's their own fault. Uh, you got a pick for us in this one, Catherine? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Ravens in this one. I, I think, like I said, if the Saints play as as well as they did last week, they're definitely capable. But to me, they kind of have to prove it first. They, they have a lot against them, and they were practically gushing over uh, Lamar and how good of a quarterback he is. They've had trouble with running quarterbacks. So a uh, tall task here. But, you know, we'll see if they uh, find that old primetime magic again. I, I don't know how to compute this. The Ravens reporter picked the Saints. The Saints reporter picked the Ravens. It's total <laughs> chaos. Follow her on Twitter <laughs> at Kat underscore Terrell. We appreciate your time, Captain. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me on. All right. We will keep you updated on the game, obviously. But don't forget, you can save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. There's good takes. There's hot takes. We're going to give them all to you and rate them next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Monday Night Football is underway. We will keep you updated. Right now, it's tied nothing-nothing, and the game is barely underway. But if and when there are scores, we will let you know. 
at least if there's anything fun to get into. We do know that there's always fun things to get into on Monday because, frankly, the best part about Mondays are the overreactions that we get from all of our colleagues, which gives us the chance to analyze how good or how hot their takes are. Boom! Hot take! Hot take! It's time to rate the takes of the day. Are they good takes? The season is over. <laughs> I mean, one game in. Or hot takes. This is why I called out and said Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP. It's good take, hot take on Spain and Fitz. I mean, Kirk Cousins is the MVP. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe. maybe. All right. So. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I just want to get in on the list, Sarah. Let's go. All right. So, you know, you guys know the drill by now. We play you some takes. We analyze what, what we get out of them. So, let's start with one Keyshawn Johnson. You can hear him every morning on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. This is what he had to say about the quarterback MVP type conversation between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. We talk about quarterbacks and MVP candidates and all this and that and trying to compare. I'm, I'm just going to tell you. We need to hold off on that Josh Allen stuff compared to Patrick Mahomes, even though he beat Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is ridiculously stupid at the quarterback spot, man. Doesn't even make any sense. I mean, you look at a dude like that. This is what I'm talking about when I say put a team on your back and will your way to victory. You know, that whole coach at the podium conversation. That's what that is. Okay, we got three minutes to go in the game. I need to tie this thing up. Oh, now we're in overtime. I need to go ahead and win this thing. Oh, a two-point conversion. I need to go ahead and take this thing and do it. Most quarterbacks will sit back there pass the baby to sleep and throw an interception or throw it out the back of the end zone and say, oh, well, we had a close shot to winning. That's not the case with this I mean, kid. What do you think, Sarah? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what metric he's using when he says we can't compare them anymore and then follows that immediately <laughs> with, but he beat him. I mean, I do think it matters that Josh Allen was able to lead his team past the Chiefs. So in that game, Mahomes didn't put his team on his back and lead them to a win. Josh Allen did. And there have been plenty of games this year where Josh Allen has been absolutely incredible, has 100% put the bills on his back and done everything with his legs and his arm. Mahomes is probably a better quarterback overall. That's the one you're picking if you're given a choice. But can we compare him? Absolutely. You know, 329 yards and three passing touchdowns against the Chiefs in that win. 12 carries for 32 yards, 16-yard carry, jumping over a defender and making a play that they needed in that moment. Like, I think we can have the conversation. Yeah, I think you are right. This is a hot take. And that's you're also, if I had to sit there and say there's one that I could take and only one, it would be Mahomes, not Allen. But to say that they're not even comparable forgets that last year there were talking heads that were saying the NFL has figured out Patrick Mahomes. I don't know why they talk that way, but uh, (laughs) they apparently do. And yes, this is on the heels of Josh Allen having a bad game. Even great quarterbacks have the occasional bad game. Right. So uh, I, I think it's a massive overreaction to say that they can't even be in the same Mahomes conversation. Mahomes lost to the Colts. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. We forget that the Colts have a win. Over Didn't the put Chiefs. anything but a piano on his back in that game. <laughs> that is, oh, that is wild. All right, well, the hot takes or good takes also came in the form of Jay Will. Uh, Jay Williams, also part of Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. This is what he said about the MVP race and won Jalen Hurts. This is not about who's better. It's about who's MVP. If you're asking me who do I think is better, I would say that I think Patrick Mahomes is better. If you're asking me about who is the MVP right now, I say it's Jalen Hurts. His team is undefeated. The way he's been leading. And you can sit up here and say, well, that 
play last night by Patrick Holmes is incredible, and I get it. Like, he's right there, too. I have him number two. But that loss to the Colts, man, that hurts on the resume. i rather reward a team where the job is complete. Regardless of who they played against, they've been knocking everybody down. Jalen Hurts is undefeated. The numbers are close. I would give it to Hurts. I mean, I think this is Jay Will's background being a little bit of the NBA, like what is the MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's a hot take, I think, Ooh. though, that, that Jalen Hurts is the MVP right now. And that's because it, now I, I'm just – I always look at this from the standpoint of if one person went away. If Jalen Hurts wasn't the quarterback for the Eagles, they still have a ton of talent – I believe they'd still win some football games. If Patrick Mahomes wasn't the quarterback of the Chiefs, I don't think we see what we saw last night. So I, I think Mahomes is more valuable. But I, I say that with the level of confidence that a three-year-old says trying to speak for the first time. I don't know if that's when they speak either. I don't have kids. I got nothing. Wow. A three-year-old? Yeah, it's well, you know, late. late. It's very it's late. It's a very little late. Stunted in their growth, right? Like a, a non-committal three-year-old, non-conversational three-year-old. There Is that what you go. and talk? Well, I mean, yeah. Would explain some things. Yeah, still, still working on it, Um, I think it's a good take. I like his <laughs> argument because I think, to your point, he lays out, here's the metrics by which I'm making this decision. It's not just a great player, but a great player who has led a team to the most wins and the best record. So I'm okay with it right now. Okay, well, let's see if you're okay with this Ryan Clark take, ESPN NFL analyst on Greeny, about who the best quarterback of the 2021 draft class is. This kid, going into his last year at Ohio State, I said, I don't know who I'd take out of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and he didn't play as well in his last year. So I was like, okay, I'll take him too. And then Zach Wilson comes off the board. You're hearing Mac Jones could be three, but they take Trey Lance. And then he falls all the way past the top ten. His upside is higher than all of those guys, but I do feel you had to have the right pieces around him, and it seems, at least from a coaching standpoint, now he does. Okay, I'm going to go good take right now, okay? Zach Wilson, don't love. Davis Mills, Mac Jones, no thanks. Trey Lance, who knows, right? Who knows on Trey Lance? The only one who's up there is Trevor Lawrence with Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence, I think, could be a more traditional, great quarterback. I think... I think Justin Fields' upside, if he can put together the passing with protection, with weapons, and have the legs that he has, it's off the charts. So it's, for now, I agree. It's a hot take. Uh, I'm still I'm still Team Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we'll see, though. Uh, Justin Fields looking much, much better, and also very early in this process to try and figure out who the best and worst is from that class. What's going okay. on with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Jeremy Fowler going to join us next. We'll figure it out. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Wow. Fitz, we are missing a lot by being on the air here. Uh, And that includes Adam Schefter shirtless wearing chains doing his best Kirk Cousins impression. Uh, I'm in for it. I'll take it. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. I will be retweeting Adam Schefter shirtless with chains doing a Kirko impression. So keep an eye out for that. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Joining me now to talk all things NFL, it's ESPN senior NFL reporter Jeremy Fowler. You can follow him at ESPN. Let's start with the big news of the day. Frank Reich out as head coach of the Colts. And before we get to his replacement, how do you feel about the firing? Well, I think after uh, yesterday's performance, it had to be done. You know, they just, it was by far the worst performance of the entire year, really for any team it looked like in the NFL. 
you have an offense that's averaging less than 15 points per game. And when your coach has an offensive background and here you sit on your, I believe your seventh quarterback in the last five years and you ranked dead last in offense, like it, it just became a matter of time. I, I thought maybe he would get the year um, just to sort it out and, and out of respect, but more and more teams tend to move on when, you know, immediately when they know it's time. So let's talk about the replacement. Obviously, everybody who works with Jeff Saturday loves him. Uh, yeah. You're down with, with him being the interim head coach. So it's fascinating. Uh, that's the word I would use. And really, when I talk to people around the league, that's, you know, shock and uh, surprise are, are, are the two emotions. You know, it's it's funny. Like, I'm in the building today at ESPN, and Je- we were all looking for Jeff Saturday. He's always here on Monday. <laughs> you know, instead, he's going to be the Colts coach. So it's just a crazy time. It, it's, you know, it, Look, I, I, he's a terrific guy, a really smart football guy, and, and you hope he does a bang-up job. Um, it's just, yeah, I think the confusion from some people around the league is just from a qualification standpoint. You know, you have right. two former NFL head coaches who are currently on the Colts staff. You know, one of those guys would have been sort of an easy fix to, to try to right the ship. And, of course, with all the conversations we have about the barriers to uh, qualified coaches of color who often get told they don't have enough experience to see um, a white former player with none uh, not have any of those barriers is always going to be a topic for conversation as well. Uh, we're talking to Jeremy Fowler, yeah, no ESPN senior NFL reporter. Okay, the Jets aren't just a fad. It's not just good for them. It's good for yeah. a league full of talented teams. They beat the Bills. What should we be saying about the New York Jets right now? We should be saying that they're probably a playoff team at this point. I mean, I, you know, I was talking to some, some people with some other teams today who think that they're going to find a way to sneak in. Or there could be three teams out of the AFC East. Um, really, it's considered a, a playoff-worthy roster as long as Zach Wilson plays passable football, right, which he did yesterday. Didn't turn the ball over, ran when he needed to, made some good throws but wasn't trying to, you know, make the 60-yard throw off of one foot, just, you know, nice, solid football. And then their defense is good enough to do the rest. That's kind of where they're at right now. So they, they probably can't win any shootouts at the moment, which if they get into one, that's going to you know, hurt their chances. But certainly uh, they can control the game. And, you know, like 20 to 17 game, like you saw yesterday, is kind of right in their wheelhouse right now. I, I, should, I actually think next year uh, they're going to be really loaded up. Like those young players who are looking really good are going to look even better next year. They could be a true contender then. Let's talk about Zach Wilson because I think you can have wins and it can sort of cover up issues that do need to be uh, tended to. And in a year like this where there is way more parity across the board than we're used to seeing in the NFL where the best teams can lose and the bad teams really aren't all that bad, do you think there's a danger in believing that wins are a quarterback stat here and moving forward with a guy who really hasn't shown you he's the guy? Yeah, that's that's an interesting debate, you know, because – it, you're right, they're winning, but are they winning in spite of him or are they winning because of him? And um, it, it's hard to say the latter right now. I think they're winning for, for other reasons, but, you know, he, he did his part yesterday, to, to be fair. Um, you know, the thing with Zach Wilson, too, is dating back to last year, I think the coaching staff just wanted him to take the easy play. Like, they knew he could make the spectacular play, but they wanted to see him master the easy play. And you saw that two weeks ago against New England where he just took an easy play and just created a, a tornado of mistakes out of it so you know they think like okay if he can just just be solid then his his great playmaking will come into play when it's needed um so they, you know they're they're still hopeful there but they need a full year to evaluate him to see what he really is and i mean look we're seeing it around the league a lot of these quarterbacks need time sometimes you know you got tua and jalen hurts 
and Geno Smith are all among the top in passing ratings right now and, and all the, the fun passing stats. And these are guys that are, were either their games are frowned upon once upon a time or they were overlooked. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not the $50 million quarterbacks, you know, but, but they're tearing it up. At Jay Fowler, ESPN is where you can foul him. It's Sarah Spain, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, let's talk about the other New York team, Giant Safety Xavier McKinney, injuring his hand during the bye week on a group ATV tour. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, I'm going to go ahead and assume that my man was off-roading. I think any group ATV tour probably not going to be the kind of thing you can get injured in unless you get a little <laughs> fast and loose with the rules. What are you hearing? Uh, yeah, that's... This is a rough one because he was playing well and the defense, the Giants defense was good. And, you know, you come back and have to release that statement. It's, you know, the Giants aren't happy. Um, you know, it's, it's more of a, you know, like broken hand area, hand wrist area that he's going to miss now at least four weeks. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it affects the player. I mean, this is a guy who uh, is in line for a big extension, maybe next off season, but based on the way he's playing. Um, he can still get that, of course, but it just this this throws a wrench in everything. Yeah, absolutely, and certainly someone that they value. So as much as they might want to punish the behavior, uh, he's important to what they're what they're trying to do over there. What's going on with Aaron yeah. Rodgers and the Packers? I mean, I'm enjoying it uh, as a Bears fan, but I'm trying <laughs> to get to the root of just how much we can point the finger at Rodgers, how much we can continue to blame weapons that he seems frustrated with. Is it play calling? What exactly is the root cause of the Packers being as bad as they are? Yeah, Sarah, I really think it's everything. You know, after asking around and watching and just the whole deal and trying to get a sense of what's going on over there, you know, uh, it, it's it's really all of the above. I mean, Aaron Rodgers takes his share of the blame in that. You know, he, there was a deep ball over the middle. He leaves five yards short that gets uh, knocked down. Other interceptions where, you know, he looks like he's just throwing it up, like just – I think people are trying to figure out, like, you know, because he's been so solid and never turned the ball over and just always in control, and that just looks mm. lost right now. So it's a combination of, of his own poor play mixed with uh, clearly not being on the same rhythm and timing with, with young receivers. Now, whether that's because they didn't spend enough time with each other when Rodgers was gone this offseason or if it just simply wasn't going to happen regardless of what they did, something has to be fixed, and I, I don't know if it's really fixable right now. And then they, they've just been so beat up. You know, injuries everywhere, both sides of the ball. So it's it's just one of those nightmarish seasons. And, and I, I don't know where the clear-cut win is for them coming up. Like I, was, I don't know if their game's in front of me, but their next four right. games are all tough. So I don't know where they get the win. Let's talk about his future. Do you see a world in which they attempt to trade and another team is willing to take on that big contract hit? Do you see a world where they just make differences in the offseason, believing that they can be a winning team with just the right uh, uh, shifts in some personnel? Well, I mean, I, I, that's – I'm trying to think of who would want to take on the contract. Yeah. I mean, he's still an elite enough player where I think a team would talk itself into it. I mean, you know, I would say Indianapolis, based on all the mm. problems they've had, but they probably mm. don't want to take a late 30s quarterback again. So, you know, it would have to be a team that either feels like it's on the cusp. You know, I mean, heck, Denver would have done it in March. That's for darn sure. Um, and they went with Russell Wilson instead, but I think they were right there kind of waiting on Aaron Rodgers and – um, you know, maybe they do a Russell Wilson for Aaron Rodgers swap. Mm. That'd be a fun one. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, 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 and then there's always retirement if he's truly miserable, but that's uh, forfeiting the rights to what, 60 million basically in guaranteed salary. That doesn't seem all that likely either. So um, it'll right. be interesting to watch. Uh, Green Bay finally arriving at a place that many franchises <laughs> have been for a long time, which is who is our quarterback and is he good enough? Uh, Jeremy, always <laughs> loved the conversation. Thanks for your insight. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up on Spain and Fitz. So many stories, so little time. We'll finish with quickies. Quickies. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. This Colts press conference is interesting. I get the feeling we'll be talking about it more tomorrow when we've heard all of it, but some interesting... uh, Interesting lines coming out of Jim Irsay right now, including basically arguing, first of all, that he was lucky Jeff Saturday was available. Um, I don't know that anyone else was looking to hire him. (laughs) Um, Also, basically, how inexperienced he is is the reason that he won't operate in fear and rely on any sort of uh, analytics for decision-making, which is weird because Frank Reich was with the Eagles, who were one of the most analytics-driven teams and succeeded a lot in part because of what the metrics told him to do on a lot of a lot of uh, big decision-making moments. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's happening as we speak, but um, we're going to get into it more tomorrow. Sir, I also quickly I think it is curious, and Deshaun Reed uh, from the Athletic tweeted this out. Little interesting. They pushed this press conference back three times this afternoon, yeah. and then so made sure the that game. it came off right right as the game was kicking off. So yeah, eh, don't pay attention to Again, us. Again, I'm interested to see what happens. But like one of Jeff Saturday's first jobs as a new head coach, as a first time head coach in college or the NFL, is to decide who's going to call plays because they got rid of both of the people doing that. Yeah. Uh, so it, this is interesting. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. NFL is uh, anything but boring, that's for sure. We'll have a lot of reaction <laughs> to that presser tomorrow. Um, and, of course, Monday Night Football, which is going on right now. But when there's this much stuff to get to and not much time, this is how we do it. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. Fitz, I don't know if you've seen this stat, but just in case you haven't, I want you to guess how many uh, men's college basketball games are on tonight. I don't know how many, but a bunch. Okay, 200. Good God, 200? And 178 women's games. And you know what's kind of sad is uh, I just knew that they meant 200 men's when I saw that 1,000 people had tweeted that online without a single one of them writing men's. That's very sad that I knew that they meant men's college basketball games and that there are 178 women's games tonight as well. Anyway, College Hoops begins tonight. I'm not ready, Fitz. 378 games. Is there like an ESPN 376 right now that's covering all that? I'm sure ESPN Plus uh, has all of it. The ESPN app has everything out there. Interestingly, there are two ACC-related women's basketball games, and they're showing a football replay instead of live games on the ACC network. Mm. Next story quickies thank you sensual uh mls cup was this weekend fits there's a whole lot going on in college football nfl all sorts of stories flying at us but my timeline was erupting on my flight uh as i was waiting for my flight to take off um as the lafc team beat philadelphia union on a game-winning goal gareth bale uh forcing a shootout and 
this was a rough day for Philly. Uh, tough to lose two championships in the same night. Yeah, that was what hit me is to lose two championships in the same night. And then for the championship here to be so, I mean, when it comes down to that much drama, a great moment for the sport, by the way, for the league yeah. overall. Uh, and MLS, I think, really, I'll admit, I'm, as I did earlier in the show, my own bias, but like I found myself watching so much in Nashville this year. It was really nice to see uh, such a dramatic final uh, for this and a great win for LAFC, but also just, man, how much heartbreak can Philly take in one weekend? Right, Oof. right. Uh, they're headed off to Apple starting uh, next season. $2 billion deal for the MLS. So be interesting to see how coverage changes and maybe dedication to uh, being able to find it and watch it. MLS um, still trying to build that really major audience here in the U.S. And games like that is certainly going to help. And, and next I, door, I know yeah. we, we got to move on. I would just say, having been to several different MLS stadiums right so far in the last couple of years, the experience live is just freaking wild. Yeah, I, it is great. It is wild. Yeah. Um, also worth noting, through the first 10 years of the NWSL, average ratings are higher than first 10 years of MLS. Let's so go! A lot of growth in the women's game to pay attention to. All right, next story. Quickies. Every single NBA team is playing tonight because of Election Day tomorrow and the NBA taking the day off to encourage folks to vote, not be uh, at home watching their favorite team. So add that to the 378 college hoops games. Uh, and I bet you Monday Night Football is still going to put up a huge number. Yeah, oh, there's no no doubt about it. I will say, little surprised that the College Football Playoff Committee didn't consider doing the same thing, moving uh, their committee announcement to Wednesday. There's absolutely nothing more important than uh, the opportunity that we all have to have our voices heard. I'm surprised that we didn't, as a sports world, do the same thing in the college mm-hmm. football community. I, I frankly should have done the same thing in the college football community. No matter how you feel about any of these issues, go vote. That is just yeah. at the end of the day, it's a right that most of the world fights to to have, mm-hmm. and it's a right that we're flipping about. Voices needed. Uh, next story. Quickies. Mentioned this uh, when I talked to Jeremy Fowler, but Giant Xavier McKinney hurt his hand in an ATV accident during the bye week. He'll be out a few weeks. He posted about himself on Instagram. Uh, fourth on the team right now with 37 tackles, also has a sack, two tackles for a loss, and four passes defended. He said he was on a group ATV tour and hurt his hand. Fit that guy went off-roading faux show. There is no chance <laughs> you're on a group ATV, presumably like Viator Tours, taking you through the jungle or something in Mexico. You're not hurting your hand unless you're doing some wild stuff. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, and this is where you just got to be smart. You have a lot of time in the offseason, and I know – it's a bye week, and everybody wants to just let loose during the bye week. But, man, you just got to be – when this is the, the way that you make your livelihood, you have to be more careful. Yeah, I'm not going to make it a, a full Timberlands on the boat situation, but we know that there's these moments where the Giants are flying high and then the decision-making lacks uh, maybe some common sense. But uh, Texans Sunday should be able to win that one. Lions and then a Thanksgiving matchup with the Cowboys. That's one I'm sure he'd like to be around for. All right, next story. Quickies. Let's get back to what we started off with. The Colts have fired coach Frank Reich and named Jeff Saturday as the interim coach. Okay. Saturday is a six-time Pro Bowl center, played 13 seasons for the Colts, beloved ESPN analyst, super popular guy, and coached three seasons of high school football in Dacula, Georgia. I'm assuming that's like Dracula, but without an R. Correct me if I'm wrong on Twitter, please. Uh, and Twitter, correct you if you're wrong. Never. 
Uh, that inspired a question from us to you. Actually, Scott Hansen had the question. What would be the equivalent for your favorite team of this Jeff Saturday hire? Some of y'all didn't get this quite right. Uh, some of you did. Angry Bears fan Dadman said Olin Krutz. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but maybe. Uh, M.A. Vopel said Cardinals basically did it with Mike Matheny. He'd been a special advisor and coached Little League, but that was it before taking over the MLB job. I'm going to go David Ross with the Cubs. Absolutely. Beloved player who retires, has no coaching experience, immediately gets the big league job. Uh, Bill Cartwright as the Bulls head coach. Oh, yeah. That one worked out. I, uh, I now, like Dodger Jam said Howie Long coaching the Raiders, which would have been my answer to you. Yeah. There's just something affable about the guy that, you know, 100%. doesn't. 100%. Brady Quinn for Notre Dame football. That one is a perfect example of what that would feel like. He's Joe Maurer for the Twins would absolutely make sense. Um, Ryan Sandberg, which the Cubs didn't. And that's an interesting angle on this. So I remember, in part, there was concern about Ryan Sandberg taking over a team during a tough time and it affecting his legacy with the franchise and it changing how the team's fans saw this legendary player because he would be at the helm for a really tough time. So when they knew they were going to be in a rebuild. Um, there are people arguing that Jeff Saturday is a better choice than a minority candidate who has a ton of experience and has worked his way up because oftentimes black coaches get the opportunity to take over teams in major distress and never get a fair shot at really winning, and then when that team doesn't do well, that's considered their chance. There's a bit of an argument there, Fitz, but I think you can also elevate someone in an interim position where you know things are a mess and look at the progress points that don't come in wins and losses and give them that opportunity to learn on the job and potentially keep it. Yeah, I, I, this is such a double-edged sword because, uh, you know, when you start talking about whoever takes that situation in this situation – Jeff Saturday, I, I don't think they're they're really built for success, right? Like so, uh, you never want to put a, a a dark mark on your resume of coming in and, and being terrible. I think the Colts are going to be terrible. I I wonder if this is also part of an effort just to tank and a, a sign of an owner that doesn't trust anyone in that organization that he's not particularly close to. That's the only way I can make it make sense in my mind. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly some arguments here to be made, and I think as we parse through the full sound of tonight's introductory presser, we'll get to the bottom of some of this, but I think Jane McManus basically summed it up. It doesn't matter how much experience guys have. It doesn't matter how much you prep them and tell them it's about those experiences. Owners are going to hire who they want, and they prove it over and over again. This is the latest example. We'll get you more on that. Of course, we'll react to Monday Night Football, all sorts of other stuff. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.